Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever the mission, home or away, Enterprise helps over 120,000 people every day. With vans of all shapes and sizes, if you have a plan, Enterprise has a van. No matter if you need to rent for an hour, a day, a week or longer, Enterprise offers great rates for you or your business. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, happy Wednesday and welcome to another Andy Goldstein's TalkSport Daily podcast with me, Andy Goldstein. And what a podcast we have got coming your way. Just look at it, look. That's not actually it. That's just a bank statement I'm using as a prop. Why do they still give bank statements, eh? I thought we were meant to be paperless. Oh, save the environment. Anyway. Ali McCoyce told the TalkSport Breakfast Show with the brilliant Laura Woods alongside Freddie Flintoff that he empathises with Rose, but claimed keeping the nation's spirits up is of utmost importance. I actually agree with his sentiment in the respect that there is nothing more important than people losing their lives. I just think he's probably went about it the wrong way. With, with, with his tone and his language and his use of the words, you know, you know, I don't give whatever it may be for the, the, the nation, the, the, the morale of the nation. When, in fact, the, the argument against them would be when you look at all these NHS workers, there's people going to, you know, essential workers, people going to work in supermarkets, dropping off drugs, all these kind of things. These people, effectively, we are duty-bound to keep their morale up, if at all possible. So morale is actually very, very important in a crisis. And this is a crisis. And staying with the Breakfast Show, Freddie Flintoff said players get put under too much pressure in situations like this. And it reminded him of a time when he felt England were being forced to play back in 2003. I remember during the World Cup when we were meant to play in Zimbabwe, um, we ended up not going. And there's a few of us who was quite vocal on the reasons why. It was during the time of uh, Mugabe. He lived next to the ground in Harare. They couldn't, they couldn't say that he wasn't going to turn up at the ground and request a meet and greet. So we didn't want to go. They were going to play in effectively a war zone. And there was people coming in all the time. We had two days during a World Cup of having meetings in a room, trying people trying to talk us into going to Zimbabwe. And the pressure was mounting and mounting and mounting on the players. And I imagine this is a similar thing which is happening now to footballers, where everyone's working around them, but we're not hearing what the players think and how they feel about what's going to happen. Now, Jim was back in the hot seat alongside Natalie Sawyer and Simon Jordan, Katie Price's ex-husband. And Simon, of course, goes without saying, had his say on Rose's comments. No, I don't think it stands him in a particularly good stead. And I don't think anybody has actually said 
to the footballers that you will be dictated to. I think you're in a very privileged position. There's only one thing worse than people talking about you is people not talking about you. And footballers are given a huge opportunity because the world spends its time talking about them. And I think it's unnecessary. I think Danny Rose is entitled to a point of view. I think the manner in which it puts it across does himself a disservice. I'm not interested in robust language. It's an industry that is you know, renowned for robust language. It's part and parcel of the territory. But to, pr to frame it in such a way, nobody has suggested that the players need to come back into an environment which is unsafe. Now, on yesterday's podcast, you may remember Tim Payne, the Australian cricket captain, was mocked by Freddie Flintoff after admitting he sold himself during a match in last summer's Asses. Exactly. Well, the Aussie skipper had his right to reply on The Breakfast Show with Freddie, Laura and Macca. <coughs> McQuist. You've had a poo in your pants at the home of cricket, Old Trafford in Manchester. Yep. Why? How? What? Tell us, Tim. Um, well, basically, Fro, I don't know if you remember that test match, which we won um, <laughs> and retained the Ashes. Um, yeah, I was there for but, all the every well, day of it. Yeah, I thought I did actually see you a few times drinking a few beers up <laughs> in the up in the stands behind the glass. Non-alcoholic, Tim. <laughs> actually, someone told me that as well. There you go. I know, the world's gone mad. Well, there you go. So we're all doing strange things. Um, but obviously it, there was a bit of rain around. It was a bit dark. They were eight or nine down. We, we were behind in our overs and I felt sick. So I'd known from previous experiences that day that it wasn't going to be all that solid. So I thought I'd just take the punt and, and it worked out. It worked out okay. So we got the result. I had to run off the ground quickly before the... Uh, Interviews and tidy myself up, but um, look, to be honest, if we got the same result, I'd do it again. I'm going to spare your blushes a little bit now um, and move it on to cricket. And when I say spare your blushes, we've sort of we've, we've dissected it as much as we can, really, haven't we? Sorry about that. Um, but it is it is a pleasure to have you on anyway. Um, so why don't we, while we're talking about the Ashes, just relive it a little bit. Um, how how big an achievement was it, and, and how special was it for you guys to go back to Australia with it? Incredibly special. Um, you know, Australian team hadn't managed to do it for for twenty odd years, and, and in that twenty odd years, we'd had you know some of the best Australian cricket teams ever, basically go over and, and fail. And and for us, probably an unfancied Australian team at the time. Um, yeah, it was a huge um, huge honour. Firstly, to be over there playing in an Ashes series, um, I gave the uh, Edgebaston crowd a bit of stick, but the crowds over there are, are unbelievable. And, the atmosphere and um, the history and, and, yeah, for a young Australian to be able to travel over and, and be a part of it and, and bring the Ashes back was something that, that I and the rest of the team will never forget. Oh, but you mentioned the crowds in England, they're very vocal, yep. they let you know exactly what you think. <laughs> How did you find yeah. them, Tim? Were, were they good? Did they get on your nerves? Yeah, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Like I said, we I knew going over, because I'd watched it my whole life as a kid growing up and I know the abuse, and we copped a little bit in Australia from the Barmy Army, but it's only a a small, uh, a small part of the, the ground, but um, I think when you go over now, I've gone over, been through it, come back now. It really is one of the greatest memories I've I've had in the cricket field is, is being at, at Edgebaston day one, getting booed, getting absolutely <laughs> nailed, and a lot of it's you know abuse. It's not abuse. It's it's just good fun banter, and yeah, they give it, give you a good ribbing, but yeah, you got to hand it to them. They go, they went all day, every day. And, and like I said, I've got memories now, lifelong memories. And yeah, they're, they're moments that I'll certainly cherish. What, one of the things, I've not seen the test, but I hear one of the things that the coach, Justin Langer, got you to do was watch the Ben Stokes innings from Headingley. <laughs> yeah. Now, what was that like live, Tim? 
for me, it sounds like Edge Baston 2005, where you think you're going to yeah. win, but you're never quite yeah. sure. Well, the best thing about it too was JL just—he was okay after the game and and said, you know, we'll get up in the morning, we'll go for a walk and grab a coffee as a team. And boys were like, oh, it's not too bad, I suppose. I think a few of the boys were a bit bit dusty, but um, we got <laughs> up, we didn't end up going for a walk. We went straight into this room and and he said, right, we're going to watch. We watched the whole last hour every ball. Oh, and no. went through it and didn't just watch it and just keep watching it. It was like, watch, pause, why, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Um, and at the time, particularly for cricket, it was it was, it was was something that not many of us have ever done to, to have every move that you made and every decision you made sort of critiqued and questioned. And the first sort of five or ten minutes, everyone was a bit defensive and then sort of 10, 15 minutes in, it just kicked off. And, and from that moment on, it's actually really changed the way we we give each other feedback and we dissect games and oppositions. And, um, yeah, so looking back, it's, it's become a really good thing for us. And the big-name cricket guest continued. Here's England's super-fast bowler, Joffre Archer. He spoke to Goffey and Adrian on drive and they asked him how he felt when he saw Steve Smith go down after being hit by one of his venomous deliveries in the 2019 Ashes. It was hard to tell in the moment where it actually hit him because the ball went fine leg. It went to a fine leg and it went pretty quick. So my first reaction is that it hit the helmet, you know. Then only after, probably a few seconds after when he went down, everyone went to run and was like, oh no, it didn't hit the helmet. You know, obviously, had to stop with a few years ago. And I think anything that genuinely hits you in that vicinity is going to be trouble. And I'm just glad that he came up. On the other side of it, he came out and he was back to playing in two games. But that could have gone totally, totally wrong. I mean, I've been there, Joffrey, and I know it's a very difficult uh, situation because uh, the way you put bowled in the World Cup, which was absolutely fantastic, a World Cup winner, having the guts to bowl that last over, England winning, then going on to Test match, bowling against one of the best players in the world, Steve Smith. That expectancy, because you came onto the scene with such a bang, it's going to be hard for you to uh, to live up to, isn't it? And I've seen you as an individual. I know you'll be able to deal with it. And I know uh, you'll bowl quick. But I think England have got to manage you really, really well, I think, over this next three or four years. Do you understand that? Yeah, I do. And I think they've done a pretty good job up till now. Obviously, with the injuries, it doesn't look that way. But even before it came into the, to the team, like, even before the World Cup started, you know, they, um, they played in two of the five match series. Um, after that, they've given me loads of time, loads of rest before the Ashes. Yeah, I, I had a, I think I had 10 days off before the mm. Edge Western test. And they still didn't play the Edge Western test because they didn't think it was ready. So, you know, I think they've done an amazing job up to now. Obviously, you can't stop injuries and you never know when you're going to get injured. But I think they've done a really, really good job. Time to hear from Paulsby and Andy Jacobs. You may have seen Andy Jacobs on social media, on Insta, if you follow him. I don't know what his handle is. He's probably something like, at what's the point of that? Or, you know, he was at what's the point of that? Anyway, he's going for a world record uh, with his wife for the most amount of times they hit a ping pong ball over each side of the table, which they've mocked up as a table tennis table. I don't know why I'm telling that. There's no link here. Here's Paul and Andy. 
Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, oh, there was dejection in the flat last night. Oh, dear. Chasing the flat record that we achieved on Friday night. 747 uninterrupted shots in a table tennis rally. Yes. Took 14 and a half minutes. So you can imagine it's not easy to get... Once you've set a mark like that, it's hard to get back to that. Yeah. So there we are. We're it's a mental barrier, isn't it? It's a mental barrier it to is overcome. Very much knowing you're going to be mental playing... Bar- you're going to be playing tennis, <laughs> table tennis, you and your wife, for at least 15 minutes to beat that, which is a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. And so we get to 650. We're going well. We're in a nice rhythm. Because sometimes during these rallies, the ball goes all over the place, and then it's hard to get it back in, into calm control. Yeah. And then at 679, we're calling it the one that got away. Sue just inexplicably, it wasn't a, it was in the normal spot. She just put it into the net. You should have heard the language and it wasn't from me. Oh, really? Uh, wow. <laughs> the expletive, it was wow. incredible. She's not used to it. She's not used to, because of not being a sport lover, she's not used to the disappointment of top level sport. So okay. uh, she was, oh, she was gutted. Because I, I think, go Andy, through and sorry, I analyze you, it. Andy, do you think she'll come through lockdown with a different perspective on your kind of mad raging, your Barnston worth like? <laughs> raging that goes on after the Chelsea games because now she's in, yeah, in maybe. now she's seen what sport can do to you as a competitor maybe she'll have a very different view on it she'll sit there effing and jeffing along with the best of them it's, it's very possible I hope yeah. so it is to be hoped back now to Jim White and Natalie Sawyer they had the Charlton manager Lee Bowie on the show he appealed to the EFL to be fair in how they decide the outcome of the championship season and that bringing in the points-per-game system now wouldn't be right. We've played 37 games this season, and for 36 of them, we haven't been in the bottom three. And then it's just unlucky that we... If the season would have got cancelled the week before, we wouldn't have been in the bottom three. We were just about to go and play whole. They was in a difficult situation like we was with injuries, and they was on that slide that, that we found ourselves in. And we would have fancied ourselves to go there like a day later. And if we'd have won that game, we'd have climbed probably three or four places. So because of the teams around us, we all playing each other. So we'd have ended up climbing three or four places and, and we wouldn't have been in the bottom three. So what, for, for six days, we're in the bottom three. Then all of a sudden, you, you get relegated from it. That, that'd be absolutely scandalous. Now, the guys on the show also discussed the disgraceful racist abuse that the former Arsenal striker Ian Wright suffered on Instagram earlier this week. Simon believes the only way to get the big social media companies to change their policies is to boycott them. The resistance is coming from these people because their traffic is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and Twitter and Instagram and all of these social media platforms are not being impacted upon. Now, there's two ways of looking at it. Reclassify, take away anonymity or boycott. Boycott is a very powerful tool because what's driving the, the, the lack of response from these platforms to some extent is they're being enabled to continue with their head in the sand because the volume is still increasing, whether that's whether it's constructive volume or destructive volume, it is still there. The way that people understand the consequences of things is to be consequenced. And if you start to come away from Twitter, influential people start to come away from Twitter. I know they shouldn't have to then you start to impact upon the Twitters of the world. Take football people off Twitter. All of a sudden, you'll start to see a dynamic changing within the confines of people's perception of social media because they won't be going to social media to talk to XYZ footballer or XYZ personality because they won't be there. 
And this is Aaron Ramsdale, the Bournemouth goalkeeper, on breakfast, speaking about how his parents have been helping him train during lockdown. I'm very fortunate for um, my mum and dad, who still take me down the park to this day and um, will kick balls at me, or even if it needs to just be thrown at me for, for crossing and, and stuff like that. So we're still getting down to the, the local football club. Um, Love it. Just the, three, just the three of us and... To be honest, I think my dad's pulled his quad, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't been, been down in a few days. It's either that or we just wanted a beer. And last but by no means least, no, no means least. Yeah, I just said that. It's the best bits from last night's Sports Bar. Now, of course, I'm being honest. I'm recording this before the show, but uh, I'm looking at it here now, looking at the run and order, and it's, uh, I mean, it's an amazing show lined up. So I'm guessing what's coming your way is going to be fantastic. Yeah, just using the bank statement again as a prop. Time to talk to um, a player that at one stage was tipped to be the next big thing at Manchester United. His book is called Tackled, the Class of 92 Star Who Never Got to Graduate. It's a fantastic book and um, he is a great bloke and could have been a phenomenal player. Sadly, injury got in the way of that, but he's, uh, he's on the line to tell us more. I know you've heard of him many a time. He is the wonderful Ben Thornley. He joins us. Hello, Ben. Good morning to you. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? We're good, very well. Ben, I want to talk to you about football now in just a moment, but first I want to talk about football back then. Um, a lot of people probably don't realise just how highly regarded you were at Manchester United under Sir Alex before injury. Um, sort of, I think it's fair to say ruined your incredible career you had in front of you. Um, just, just can you explain the backstory to people about who you played with, where you were at, what happened? Very, very briefly, I, um, I I arrived at the club in 91 um, with the likes of Gary Neville, David Beckham, Nicky Butt, Paul Scholes, Robbie Savage was there, Keith Gillespie, you know, we were all from the from the same year. Um, Giggsy was already quite well established and, and we were what became then known as the, the class of 92. There was always a way that the Sir Alex Ferguson was going to incorporate us into his first team squad, such was the you know the the the, the generous uh, amount of talent that he'd been given in 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 that particular year, and um, and I made my debut in in '94. Uh, probably I would say for those United fans out there that do remember, it would have been about six weeks before Mark Hughes scored that brilliant volley at Wembley to take Oldham to a replay in the FA Cup semi-final. Um, now I made my I went out and played on the Wednesday night before that because Sir Alex said um, you haven't had a game for a while Giggs is struggling I, I think that you will be in the starting 11 for that FA Cup semi-final on the Sunday went out on the Wednesday night had a really good game against Blackburn Rovers um, Jim Ryan our reserve team manager asked me was I okay did I want to come off and I said no and within about five minutes somebody had snapped my knee and that was it oh. history um, and no, that's, how re- easy, that's how easy it can happen, you know. Well, that's it for another podcasty thing. A reminder, you can uh, download previous ones or future ones via Acast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And before I go, let me tell you about some live horse racing from Hong Kong. It's back on TalkSport 2 from 11am today. That's Wednesday. So if it's before 11, you can listen to it. If it's after that, you probably can hear the end of it. And if you don't give a monkey about horse racing, don't bother. If you do like it, you can get your racing fix with all nine races from Happy Valley exclusively live on National Radio. 
Remember, you can download the TalkSport app, swipe left, or just ask your smart speaker to play TalkSport 2 to follow the action as it happens. It's very simple. Look. Hey Google, play TalkSport 2. Sorry Andy, I don't know anything about TalkSport 2, but did you manage to find that website regarding women's underwear? Uh, 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 Google, stop. Uh, uh, disarm yourself. Uh, that's it. I'll be back tonight from 10pm for another sports bar. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Have a great day. Keep your distance. And above all, gang, be safe, everyone. Be safe. That was a podcast from Talk Sport. You remember my pictures with a parrot um, in Barbados? Oh, my yeah, friend I yeah. about them, he used yeah. to whistle at me every morning. Yeah. I was the only one who did it every time I went down there. <laughs> he used to say, pretty boy. Um, every time I went down, he was brilliant. We used to have a great, we had a great relationship, me and that parrot. I'm going to go back well, and visit him. I was going to say, maybe you should get a parrot now. That would help you through the lockdown. Oh, no, it'd do me nothing. Oh, Repeating enough. everything I said, especially uh, uh, some of the things said in our house over the past seven weeks. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.